Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Apocalypse. Uh, I have wanted to record this episode for a few days. Um, I have bumped off the normal episode for this week because I wanted to have a chat with my friend Austin. Hi Austin. Hello. Hello. Um, I wanted to invite Austin along to have a pretty honest conversation, a conversation that you and I have actually never had. No. Um, But I think a lot of us haven't had in the BR crew. Um, so that kind of answers the first question of how do we know each other? <laughs> well, I am one of the uh, the BR crew, obviously. Um, woo, woo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, Austin and I are going to have a chat about racism and um, UK racism, institutionalised racism. Um, but also Austin is a very special friend. <laughs> Um, if that I makes it sound that. weird. <laughs> yeah, now it just got awkward. Um, just because Austin, you have you grew up in the UK, but you have lived in the US for I don't know how long. A couple uh, of years, just over two years now. Just over two years. So yeah. you have kind of you're coming at it from seeing both, um, both sides of racism or like white, you know, yeah. uh, westernized racism, I guess. I so. Guess so yeah. um, I'm not going to say that this conversation is going to be perfect. As a white person, I'm still massively learning the do's and don'ts, stuff I didn't realise I still had to learn. I think the biggest thing I've learned this week is realising it wasn't enough to assume everyone else wasn't racist. Yeah, I've also learned that lesson this week. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's a, there's there's a lot to unpick here. Um so firstly, as we've mentioned, we know each other from um BR crew. Um but if you could explain sort of your background, your heritage, why why I'm talking to you about race basically. Um well, my background I suppose family-wise is that um this is a funny question <laughs> and you you posted it in a in a good fashion because I've had this this question posed to me many times which is like so where are your where are your family from where are your parents from and you kind of go through this yeah i'm like uh i live in bromley like oh okay so so where's your where's your dad from i'm like uh he was born in harrow so he's actually from north london oh so it's your mum like no she was born in it's your mum yeah and essentially like you go through this long game and you're like are you trying to ask me why i'm brown that's what oh mate so uh yeah, my my heritage would be uh, is mixed. My my dad's family came over from Barbados in the sixties. Okay, um, and my mum is white. So yeah, that's that's the brownness. That's what it, that it's from. it's one of those things where again something I'm learning this week is people's intentions are right, but it's just still learning the right terminology and the correct way to ask because yeah, it's never I've never. I've never necessarily assumed that question because I've been I've had that com- that little you know back and forth dialogue many times, um, mm. and I've never assumed it's from a place of um, like you know malice or or yeah you know, they're just genuinely intrigued and genuinely are trying to find out about me you know so I've never I've mm. never assumed it's a, anything other than just good faith and and people don't really know how to ask and even now I'm like well how would how would you ask other than just saying why are you brown <laughs> i don't know is that weird i don't know i don't know if just blasting straight through race and just and just being upfront about it is maybe the best way i don't know i'm also that's the other thing with this situation is that i don't necessarily feel like it's my 
place to act as spokesperson, I suppose, for mm -hmm. the black community because I'm just another person that happens to, you know, I don't, I don't know, but. I think that's also why I wanted to have this conversation with you because you, because you are um, mixed race, I guess there's an element and please, I don't want to talk for you. Is there an element of you, you, your mum's white, your dad's black, you know, where do you lie in the kind of argument that's happening right now? Uh, well, I like fir firmly in the stance of that everybody should be equal but we clearly live in a society that does not reflect that. Um, yeah. So I don't really think, to me, it's not necessarily an argument of like which side of it you stand on because my oh, yeah, yeah. my stance obviously is always like, surely we all stand on the same side. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's again, like we were saying, like an optimistic kind of youth, assuming everybody has that stance as well, whereas it doesn't seem to be that, that way. Mm. Um, do you feel like there's a lot more you, I mean this is me just now completely going off on a tangent but like do you even feel like there's parts of you that thinks well I could do a better job about my own you, you know your own racism or your you know whatever it is that you yeah do. yeah everybody makes judgments about people based on yeah what they're seeing of course like I I don't I don't know I generally it's it's hard for me to say. I'm not going to stand here and say that I'm holier than thou. Thou or whatever mm, phrases that, that I'm. I don't make judgments based on people. I don't think I necessarily am making snap judgments based on somebody's race. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be honest if I said, "Oh, I'm completely free of judgment when I see somebody." That's that's a plain lie, obviously, for anybody. Um, yeah. I do think that race for me, obviously, is is part of who I am. So I don't think any of those judgments would be based on race mm -hmm. um but perhaps perhaps they are they, yeah, yeah i guess they are but not no, yeah nobody is free of judgment and probably yeah. nobody is actually free of racism in one form or another and i think that's where the br crew i mean i go back to my comment of not realizing i i for me the the uh part of what i'm realizing this week is i actually need to be more vocal about being anti-racism and i didn't know i had to do that still i guess yeah, that seems to be from from my perspective of civil rights kind of arguments and and uh activism that seems to be the defining difference this time round. before yeah. it's always been black voices waving a flag and saying hey we don't like this situation we want to change it right and it's very easy to then just ignore that because yeah because black people are easy to ignore apparently so the difference now is that actually it's not them just standing there saying we don't like this we're also standing here saying we don't like it and we would love if you could help us fix it because yeah. racism has been created by white people basically and it can only be dismantled by white people Sla slavery didn't get stopped by the slaves it got stopped by white activists and that's exactly what I think is the different like defining point of this period that we're in now is that we're yeah. asking for support from people that haven't necessarily experienced it or haven't realized that they hadn't experienced it or whatever you know it's like we're yeah. trying to say please look at us and please see what is happening and please face up to the realities that like you can't ignore statistics and facts and news stories and 
you you cannot ignore it and just look away and find a different reason to to be distracted and just move on with your life it's i don't know no i i mean it's all of that i think um the kind of thing I want to uh, touch on on this episode is more about your experience with racism in the UK before you moved out to the USA. Um, mm-hmm. Did you experience a lot of it? What would you say your, you know, what are your experiences with racism here? Um, it's a difficult one for me to grapple with because I would certainly be on the side of people that like, oh, I don't see colour and racism doesn't really exist and well not not exist that's bullshit but i just mean as in like there are many things that i think that i would have given the benefit of the doubt of mm. and not assumed it was an error based on race um and i mm. don't i so it's, that's something i'm grappling with at the moment because I, I don't feel that i've really had to face too much over racism in my life um mm-hmm. there have been minor things like this the school policy i remember for haircuts was you can't have a, a haircut shorter than number three, which for me meant that my hair oh. always looked scruffy at school because I look yeah. much neater. Like if ever you see a photo of me from a, a wedding or anything formal, I have short hair and a, and a shave because mm-hmm. not that I needed to shave when I was 12, but like <laughs> the short hair thing for me is how I look neat and presentable. So for the fact that I, on a number of occasions, was getting disciplined for having short hair really really made me angry because i'm like i don't fit into your policy of what you decide is the standard and and i hate the fact that you won't acknowledge it and address it um so there's there's stuff like that at school that you kind of don't really look at i remember my mom told me the other day that she almost pulled me out of my primary school because she raised the fact that all of the books that we were studying from only had white white children in in the the illustrations Mm. And mm. the, te- the teacher said, well, we're a white school. And so I think from her, <laughs> but her, from her perspective, maybe it wasn't even necessarily an, intended as a negative conversation. It's just like that's Ignorance the demographic than... we have. And she's saying, yeah. well, it's clearly not the demographic um, or totally the demographic. Um, things like get, I remember I went to a festival with my friends once and all of them went straight through the turnstiles like you know i like patting down and you know off you go have a great time and then i get the excuse me can you just stand aside for us please and we can we can pat you down and mm-hmm. even at the time my friends were like this is bullshit like you've just let us like five white guys just walk straight through but for some reason you've decided he's the one you need to check on more like yeah so the stuff like that does happen so I, I think the conversation of oh this is an american problem is completely ludicrous i completely not, agree it's not yeah. an American problem. It just happens to be that the Americans here are, are facing even more adversity and more violence. So it's more it's more obvious here. Um, but back in the UK, it does exist. The US are just more vocal with it. I feel like there's, a, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the stereotype of the British way of just kind of playing your cards quite close to your chest Mm. um I think the eye-opener for me over the last kind of couple of weeks has been the amount of people that I know that have used the phrase all lives matter and um lots of yeah buts um that's when I've kind of gone oh we're not singing from the same yeah (laughs) and I get I I get really angry at that sort of situation and then I'm just like I don't know there's so obviously this this is 
something that's going to go out in in public so I'll, I'll address my my anger and temper it to make sure that I don't Hey, kind of roll people up. but then but then there's also the, the part of me that resents the fact that i have to temper yes, my anger that's what i mean don't like, say I'm it not, i'm not allowed to be angry because then you're just another angry voice and if you're if you're shouting it's it's kind of like a parent disciplining a child and saying i'm not going to give you what you ask unless you say please and thank you it's it's yeah. akin to that so you're not allowed to act out or address any of your emotional you know needs well, it's institutionalized racism. That's the thing that I think I'm learning the most. You know, being a, a younger generation white person is having conversations this week with, uh, you know, lots of my black friends and being like, you know, tell me, I want to, I want, I'm listening, te- you know, tell me. Mm. Um, and the most common story that's been spoken about is, them all being sat down when they were seven, eight, nine and saying, you have to work twice as hard. Mm -hmm. You are Mm -hmm. going to be judged. You have to prove people wrong. You have to go above and beyond to prove people wrong. Mm -hmm. And that is where for me, white privilege sort of starts, I guess, because for me at eight and nine, I didn't have to be sat down and told that. Um, And so I think, I mean, we'll get onto the phrase white privilege um, and kind of what that means for me and what that might mean for some listeners. Um, I feel like it's uh, it's a very difficult phrase for white people right now to get to grips with. Do, do you want me to throw um, another phrase in there that I can... Go for it. <laughs> another phrase that I've just learned about but sums up exactly what I'm saying about feeling resentful that I can't show my anger and the phrase is white fragility yes so that goes hand in hand for me with with the, mm-hmm. the white um privilege situation because it, it yeah. essentially encompasses the idea that i have to temper my anger because i don't want you to get too upset about the things that we're talking about and and we have to like always play to your emotional fragility because even saying white privilege to some people now listening are going to be like oh i don't ha- i hate that term because i don't want to feel like i'm privileged and like this that's... is it totally yeah it's people are defensive white people are being very defensive at the minute that's and what's difficult this is a conversation yeah. with with mm. a basically this conversation for me is nothing to do with the people that are marching in the edl the people that are down the pub joking about monkeys and chanting at football this conversation is not for them fuck Mm. you guys basically fuck you Mm -hmm. i have nothing to do with you i don't need to hear your opinion and it's not Mm -hmm. worth my time to try and change your mind this Mm -hmm. conversation for me is for those people that feel slightly uneasy about the fact that this news is still going on after two weeks i'm sick of hearing about it and getting upset (sighs) about being called or having to face the idea of white privilege and that word offending you somehow and or Mm. being one of the people that says I don't feel I don't see race I've never thought about race I've got black brown friends or whatever it's not part of my life that's those are the people that this conversation is for because that slight unease about you feeling slightly disturbed or upset that these things are being said like kind of in the grand scheme of what's being talked about here is a is a minor minor facet and i'm sorry that you're slightly uncomfortable about it but there's bigger shit happening here um and so so i'm going off on a tangent now no austin please don't apologize the the point is is that this isn't a conversation where anybody is trying to 
pass blame on anybody else, not trying to take anything away from anyone else. Like I saw mm-hmm. a, meme, a meme the other day that says equal rights is not like pizza. Just because I get a slice doesn't mean that you're going to lose out. Like that is not the point of this. And so the the idea of this white fragility is a real thing and it's a real process that black people or brown people or whatever phrase you want to use have to use mm-hmm. in their discussions of it because we do genuinely have to like tiptoe our approach to have these discussions because it's like we want to keep you on board but we need to constantly remind you that you are not the target and you are not the face of blame and also I am in no way asking you to ignore your heritage or or forget your heritage or anything like your European heritage is just as important or my my European heritage is just as important as my Caribbean heritage there's a long history that we all share and the point is that we're actually just trying to readdress the balance that we all see is wrong but rather than just ignoring it or or turning a blind eye and just saying well mm-hmm. I don't see it so I don't need to be part of the conversation actually yep. you crucially you people who say that you don't see color or you people that say that you have black friends and all that sort of stuff you you are the conversation because yep. you are the turning point at which this actually does make a difference and, and make a change. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. And I, this, this, I think that's, so the biggest thing I keep seeing is like, um, why this time? Why, why does, um, why do these deaths matter? And I just think it's the wrong thing that, is we shouldn't be saying that it should wow. be it's wow the, so, so some people have just become so blase to it that it just doesn't even matter anymore it's like well we've already had 600 so why, why this does time that's, that's, yeah wow. that's what i keep saying and i just think um because we didn't talk about it last time it's this time because we didn't talk about it last time and yeah. as a, a white person i um you know and I've only recently learned the phrase uh, white privilege I would say in the last five years I've I've read you know read I've tried to educate myself on it I've tried to accept um because I feel like there are stages with it and that's why anyone listening to this that feels defensive or oh my favorite one is oh I, d- I don't have white privilege and I'm like no by default you have white privilege you didn't you didn't choose it unfortunately the same way black people didn't choose it either like Mm. it's just ingrained and because it is by default we actually have to actively recognize it and help the situation Mm. i think is the best way i can say that right now yeah um okay what Austin? What do you do? <laughs> We've got <laughs> um, I'm a music producer, so that's why okay. I'm, that's why I moved to to LA because, well, partly for music, but also because it's a lot sunnier here. Yeah, basically, you became Billy Big shit for us and fucked off to LA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite so sure about that, but. <laughs> Um, so you've lived in LA for two years yeah. um, and I guess uh, a conversation I would like to have with you is what is racism like in the US because it's easy <laughs> for me to watch it on the news um, and read about it but you know being a person of colour what have what's your experience been in the two years you've lived out there? 
I mean, I've got limited experience just, again, going back to being a music producer. I spend most of my time self-isolating, as we would call it now. Um, yep. So this whole period hasn't actually changed. For this. <laughs> yeah, like this is what I do. I sit on my own in my room making music. Yeah. Um, so my interactions with uh, most of the American community are quite limited at the moment. But from my okay. observations, like... Um, I think I sent, I, well, no, I, I know that I sent everybody in the BR crew a video from um, Skid Row when I first moved mm. here, if you remember me sending that. And that was because mm -hmm. I was just like, hey, look, what's happening here in America that you don't really know about or hear about? Mm. And essentially the homeless issue in, in the States, but particularly in California and particularly in LA is a complete disaster. It's it, mm. it's incredible that a country like this has got something like that that happens. But um. Anyway, the main, the what I was going to get around to saying is that the main yeah, population no. there is is black. Like mm. most most of the people there are black, um, and it's it's another one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, we don't really like it either. We think it's horrible, but you know, what are you going to do about it? Whereas I'm sure if there were, you know, almost a million white people that were homeless on the streets in in Skid Row, there would be many more excuses for it and and much more support and people would actually try and make it make a difference about it but yeah it seems as though no one really cares enough to actually do anything about it mm. um so yeah, that's that's quite a sad facet of it um i feel like it's a similar situation with the death rate of covid19 um yeah. the statistics show that it's a large proportion of um people of color and by default, you know, people think that that's a genetic thing. Oh, my um, God. Like, what the fuck do you think? Like, how can you think it's a genetic thing? I know. No, and actually, they're going into a health system that is built to ignore them. Yes. Like, I don't understand how people can still, still possibly think that there's any sort of genetic difference between black and white people. Like, I, I, So ridiculous. this is, again, it, it goes back to, like, me realizing over the last seven days that I'm not singing from the same hymn sheet as a, as a lot of people, um, I, I, as in I know so many people that believe the, this shit and can't see. Um, I don't what think it's necessarily that they would. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go for it. It's not necessarily. I suppose that they would be led to believe that because they um they would normally think something like that i suppose in in an out of context conversation and you ask somebody directly do you think there's any genetic difference between black and white people most people would say no but i guess hope. for them the only way to i guess sorry i guess the reason that that idea kind of gets perpetuated or people would be led to believe that maybe there's a reason why black people are more susceptible it's because they can't quite face the fact that actually there's a system in place that really is is built to not kill people but built to ignore and doesn't take their oh, their illnesses seriously. yes okay so yeah, yeah it, it goes it's back to that white and it's also um that the the majority of the people that have been forced to stay in work or are the you know frontline workers key workers mm. care home assistants our cleaners our delivery men are all of of uh, the, you know, people of color, and so have not had the luxury 
to stay at home and isolate they can't like yeah. that's again it's the way the world has been built um mm-hmm. and I have had to explain that and and they have understood that that the few people that I've had to have that conversation with um so in that sense that's the other thing that feels quite different about this is um feeling like it's now my duty or you know it's all of our duties to have more of these conversations I've never felt like I had to have this conversation with xyz because I assumed that they weren't racist I guess yeah um and I yeah I it's a difficult thing for anyone to have to grapple with like I can remember many many times through my childhood being faced with the kind of the truth of where my history comes from and and just being so upset and and mm-hmm. kind of disgusted by it um so yeah it's a horrible thing to have to face and i, d- I don't really know how you do, how you do face it other than just just uh, accepting that no you're you're not the person to blame and no one is trying to target you and mm-hmm. you don't have to discount your heritage if it happens to have been part of the perpetration of you know the early days of this system or whatever but just being open to it is all that anyone is asking like just the convers- when you're saying you have to have these conversations like mm. the conversation can also just be with yourself just actually really looking at yourself and thinking like oh um in what ways could I be supportive or in what ways do I think that my actions are being, you know, detrimental to this? Like for instance, um, I keep getting into these little Facebook spats with people because Mm. I'm getting angry at people posting things that say, um, that are basically focusing on the pro, uh, not the protests, but the riots and the looting and Mm -hmm. and saying all about how the police don't deserve to be treated like this and how (sighs) devastating it is that these are, these criminals are just, you know, going, it's basically saying, Hey, yeah, I think black lives matter too. So I'm a good person, but this looting and stuff is just disgusting. So, how, and I'm like, totally. Yeah, totally. And black they can't lives- see that what they're saying is still it's, on it's, the wrong side of it's this. So on the wrong side. I know. And it's so, it just perpetrates this distracting kind of dialogue, which is like, I don't know. Essentially, it's like, well, look at these animals and how they act. So why do they expect to be treated any different? And the point is that you feel exactly, or those people feel exactly the same as the people that are in Black Lives Matter. Mm. When So I was out marching with them and they were very strong and kept on reminding people, right? If you see someone putting out yeah. a line, you pull them back and you tell them that this is a peaceful protest and we do, like, you do not represent us or what we are standing for we are peaceful and we are constructive but that goes back to um conversations i've had this week with my friends saying that they were sat down and said you have to act a certain way it sort of feels like again that you know these people marching these you know black people marching for their fucking lives are still having to check their own anger so that they're not then labeled as aggressive black people or an aggressive black woman or you know whatever it is i I think the fair argument to that is that any any constructive dialogue or discussion is not going to happen if anyone is shouting so that's that Mm -hmm. i don't think that that i think would go into like 
you don't have to temper your anger because you're black. It's more of like, no, you have to temper your anger in these conversations because actually constructive dialogue doesn't happen when everybody is shouting. So in those scenarios, yeah, we all have to sit and calmly discuss these things like adults. Um, mm. But the, the point about the riots and the looting is that actually there's two separate things happening at the same time here. But the yeah. media is the media will only portray one because it's way more fucking exciting. Like it's like, we all want to watch police chases on TV and watch car crash thing, whatever, like exciting TV is what we want. Right. So the media will show us images of looting and images of fire and police altercations and all that sort of stuff. So I can understand why back home or anywhere that isn't actually amongst it. I can understand why people would think that, that that is representative of what the protests actually are and it's mm. totally wrong i can't tell you enough how much it's totally wrong there are that i was amongst thousands of people marching thousands of people but the mm. looting that happened on one night i think in la but it went on for a few nights in other cities or whatever but let's say in total we've had a week or maybe two weeks of looting fine yeah but it's by minor opportunistic selfish people of all races and all colors that are acting badly in these situations but the point is it's a separate thing to the protest and it's just as as heavily despised by the people that are protesting as it is yeah. by the people back at home like we all think that it's bullshit but please stop going on about it basically like it doesn't yeah. it's it's not that it doesn't matter of course it matters it's incredibly important and we don't want to see destruction of our own homes but it's a distraction and it's a, and it's taking the focus away from what the conversation actually is which is that we need to find a way to modify this systemic racist world that we live in and that so that's why i keep getting into these little battles with people because i'm like just just shut up like yeah you don't i don't, i also understand that the people that are posting those probably do think that they are on my side as well i'm sure they do um but and and so that then i feel guilty that i would get into these little spats because i'm like actually you know what i think you're coming from a place of good and so really i'm not trying to battle with you but i do want to somehow educate you as to why that's the wrong art or the wrong thing to be sharing in yeah. a, you know in a way that doesn't make me sound like i'm a, a lecturing person but oh, i think um social media and also the i mean i feel like i find a reason every fucking episode to bash social media um so why stop now but i feel <laughs> like um the the social media is doing a really good job at the minute yeah. in um you know i've got some friends in richmond who are out protesting every day and are you know are videoing so much and going live on facebook and so i know that majority of the protests happening you know like i saw your stories i know the majority of it is um peaceful and you know community led and as positive as it can be um but then you have news outlets that you know as you say um are then choosing to highlight the few examples of looting and destruction um one phrase that i have learned in the last couple of days is virtue signaling 
Um, have you have you heard of this? I don't think so, but I can so, kind of guess what maybe it is. It's kind of like, hey, I'm one of the good ones. Yes. Would it be that? Yeah. Yes. Um, and so on Tuesday, when we had the movement of Blackout Tuesday, there seemed to be a lot of people who just chose that one time to post a blank square and then went back to normal life. Yeah, on right. day. No, I've, done, I've done my bit. I did yeah, the black square. I've done my bit. Um, <laughs> and I guess that, that kind of leads me on to, uh, I guess, the the whole point of this podcast, which is a survival guide. Um, what I, f- I feel like I just want to have a chat really about like, it's easy for us all to say it. It's easy for us all to post memes and share news and everything like that. And we can go back to normal, but I'm aware that we can't go back to normal. This needs to change. Mm. Um, So I have a few things that I feel like anyone listening to this that has no fucking idea how to help. Uh, Austin, you've already kind of mentioned about, you know, um, people feeling like they don't know what to do. Um, You can donate, but Mm. also during a pandemic, it can be quite hard. Um, to spare cash when you have so little as well Um, I think the biggest thing I want to say to everyone is like please just start educating yourself having these conversations with yourself ask yourself these questions and figure out what the first thing your brain kicks back Mm. Um, uh, that's something that I have certainly done all week Um, and in the small groups that I'm in with friends trying to have more conversations with each other and things like that uh but the 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 main thing for me that I'm struggling with personally is the first thing I want to do is speak to um black friends and people that I know and going okay is this okay is this not okay can I say this how do you feel about this um but the thing that keeps echoing around my brain, Austin, have you seen Hello Privilege, It's Me, Chelsea on Netflix? No. no oh, I, I watched this a few years ago and I think that for me was the final light bulb moment of white privilege. Um, and Chelsea Handler, comedian, mm-hmm. very, very white comedian, goes to, I think, a black poetry reading session and a lady there says like, stop fucking asking us <laughs> like yeah. This is yeah. a white person problem right and we're not here to fix your fucking problems and so every time i want to reach out to someone and say ah i'm have you know like was this the wrong thing to say how am i doing with this i'm <laughs> i'm i keep hearing this clip right of being like is that isn't our fucking problem stop asking us <laughs> Yeah, and I don't have the answers. <laughs> no, well, this is just it. So I think the biggest takeaway I want to say from this episode is um, we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable talking about race. Mm-hmm. I think that is actually probably the biggest issue, certainly our generation. I wouldn't say our generation is predominantly racist. I just think we don't talk about it it's it's just it's another one of those things that you are aware of but you don't you're aware of you don't like it but you you kind of just it's it's kind of like 
when you're out in town and you, you see a homeless person sat on the side of the street outside McDonald's on the Strand, we all know, we all see them there. And mm. you see them and you hate it and it breaks your heart because it's, you mm. know, midnight and it's freezing, but you kind of just walk on by, you know, maybe you'll buy them some chips or, <laughs> or something maybe, but most of the time you kind of yeah. just walk on by, you can't take on all the battles. You can't buy them chips every day. Can you like, um, yeah. it's kind of one of those situations really. It's like, we, we don't like it. We don't want to live in a world where that exists, but at the same time, I don't want to have to deal with that every day or have to face it every day. And, um, I don't think that's the point. I'm not asking everybody to suddenly become an activist. Like, geez, like even me the last couple of weeks, I'm fucking exhausted. I'm so exhausted from constantly following what's going on and then having to have these conversations. I'm like, I was in tears yesterday on the phone to my mom talking about all this. Austin, I think I have cried every day. Um, But the tipping point for me was going into, so I run an amazing community of wedding suppliers in London, well, in in the UK called Wedding Breakfast Club. And I went into the group yesterday because we started the conversation on Monday, big thread just being like, look, let's just talk about this. Let's just lay out some resources. Let's hear each other's story. And I went live yesterday, um, completely out of the blue, to be honest, um, and just sort of thanked everyone. And I started crying on this live with like 100 people watching. (laughs) And I was mortified. I think I was more mortified because there's also an element of, I think I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling guilty that I'm getting upset when it's not my race being killed by police. So there's, there's, I'm I'm like battling with that a bit. Um, Wait, sorry, say that again. What do you mean? I don't don't feel like it's for me to be crying. It's not. I I don't want to make it about me. But it is though. It's it's your world as well. It's your it's your society. It's your existence. We are all like the point is it. It's about all of us. And yeah, people go, oh, all lives matter. Right? Yeah, all lives do matter, and we are all a part of this. But at the moment, it's the black lives that we're losing. But it's the white voice that is the the (laughs) one that (laughs) is doing it, but also is the one that can change it. So I think you're right to cry. And I think it's amazing that that it's affecting you as as much as it is. Um, It means that you're actually, you are, the, the reason for your tears is that actually you've stopped for a second and actually considered the realities of things. And I think that for me, I don't have any like strong advice about where you can uh, donate money or what sort of things you should post. I don't have any of that sort of stuff. Um, But the main point of it for me is the, I suppose, philosophical approach to it. It's like, just if any of this stuff makes you feel uncomfortable or makes makes you feel, oh, I don't want to have that label or whatever, that's fine but just sit with it for a minute just sit with that uncomfortable feeling sit with the idea that this is a society that we all live in and maybe it hasn't crossed your path before and maybe you'd like to think that you live in a world that isn't uh, the way it is but the facts of the matter statistically speaking this society is racist so if yeah. it is an uncomfortable feeling that's fine that just just feel it just feel the the discomfort and think on it for a minute and think about 
why do I feel uncomfortable when somebody says that? Why, why is it that I feel so attacked if somebody starts having this conversation? In what, in, in what way should I feel threatened by, by this conversation? Because I don't know, or what, or I even like why am I think if if you're if you're speaking to someone about racism and you feel predominantly defensive and when I first heard the phrase white privilege I was massively defensive and I think it's taken and that's where I feel like also we're all in very very different stages right now I I feel like there's a few you know there's a, a small part of society that goes fuck yes okay, let me be proactive, let me read, let me watch, let me, uh, you know, Mm. support. Then you've got quite a large portion of society right now that is defensive by the phrase white privilege. Yeah, Um, those are the people that I I have been engaging with because I feel like that little feeling of discomfort for me is the little, little sliver of the door opening where you're actually turning your head to see what, the truth is Mm. um Mm. and i the reason everyone feels uncomfortable is because well not the reason like i fucking know everything but one of the (laughs) reasons i I feel yeah i know everything about everything (laughs) and you should all listen to me Um, the irony is austin nearly every single episode is me learning along with whoever is listening to this um uh what was i gonna say is that i feel like we've been brought up in this world where individualism is is key right we we look at countries like china or india or any of these places and you're like oh yeah they all kind of be become part of the same unit right that's kind of what we're taught is that they are let's say china for example they're a communist society so they are all part of the big system but not us we're all individual like you've got red hair my friend is brown I like football, but he's a musician. Like we've all got our individual personalities, yeah. right? So yeah. when somebody dares to question that there's any sort of like generalization amongst the white consensus, whoa, you get defensive, yeah. like, no, I'm not part of the bigger mass. It's like, well, okay, well, so that also... little generalization is exactly what's happened and is happening continually. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think it's the idea that we are being put under uh, this phrase along with the 90-year-old racist that lives down the road. Exactly. I think that is... Um, I think you're so right with that. I think it's our generation. I'm the most going, oh, no, you know, like, I'm not racist. Mm. Um, or, or, And this is where also the phrase is I don't see colour and all lives matter. Mm. Yes, a lot of people are racist when they say it. I do, however, feel like there is a very small section of people that are using those phrases um, with the best of intentions yes. and don't understand yes. what they're saying. Those are the ones that I'm engaging with. Because like I was yes. saying, to those people that are shouting monkey chants in the, in the stadium. and They can just get fucked. Yeah, just fuck off. And you know what I'm finding? Racists are fucking pussies. Because really, I'm going on to these things and I'm engaging with people that say this shit on Facebook or whatever. And I look at their profile. And I'm like, oh, so you don't have any photos of yourself on there. You've all you've got. Oh, yeah. Trolls. Are we talking no, about trolls now? Maybe trolls. But I do. I mean, these are in Facebook groups. So they are people that, you know, circulate and post on things. And they're not necessarily just trolls. They are people. And so mm-hmm. 
I am engaging with them and saying, hey, look, you've got a way different philosophy to me. I don't agree with you, but I would love to talk to you about it. Because I feel like on the one hand, you get a chance to finally have your voice heard, which clearly in the recent times, we have learned the dangers of not allowing, you know, um, sad, yeah. sad white men, not, <laughs> not, they don't hey, have a chance to hear what they, they feel and they go crazy and start shooting people. That's a real fact of stuff that happens, but we don't really mm. then generalize the white public as being like that. But um, anyway, I'm, those are the people that I, I've been trying to engage with a few people like that when I feel like maybe there's an opening of of sort of dialogue there um, yeah but yeah, yeah. I, I i'm i'm torn between agreeing with that and saying you we have to pick our battles but there's also a part of me that says but we've been picking our battles for 200 300 years <laughs> yeah. at what point do we actually have the conversations with the person in the street shouting monkey at what point do we actually actively try and um engage with that and i feel yeah. like for too long we have forgiven extreme racists not forgiven we've avoided and i feel like yeah, actually... you, avo you avoid and, and you move away from so i would yeah. say that from my experience from what people have told me many of the most racist remarks happen when there aren't actually any black or brown people around. And so, you know, maybe you're in the back of a cab and the taxi taxi driver says something horrible. And instead of actually saying, you know what, mate, fuck off, get yes. me, let me out your cab here now. Um, instead, you just look down at your phone and you just ignore it because that guy's a dick. I don't want to talk to him. But or I don't know. I, it feels as though I agree with that because I feel like you know I'm a feminist, and for most of my adult life, I have absolutely screamed <laughs> at times mm. in the face of people that have made sexist remarks mm. or belittled women or you know seen a gesture in a pub or whatever. So the thing that I've had to sort of question in myself is why is it that I am so quick to what, why is it I have been so quick to defend um, the LGBTQA um, not society uh, minority mm. movement. Um, why have I been so quick to shout in men's faces about feminism? And yet I have probably, I, I can't think of an example, but through white privilege, I probably have um, avoided the conversation of correcting someone that has maybe used the phrase colored person mm. um, and things like that. So that's something also I'm having moments with myself about. Yeah, um, but you can't, you can't also, battle everybody about everything. And, and you know, that maybe one movement moves you more than another. And so the lgbtq or feminism stuff maybe that stuff resonates with you more or first but i often find that they seem to be the same sorts of people on these marches there's signs yeah, up that all, say all on the same side. yeah it's like trans lives for for black lives and stuff like that like once you yeah. start realizing that oh actually just because this per person is black or brown there's no difference but then that means that also just because yeah. that's a man and that's a woman there's no, sorry, not there's no difference. I don't actually believe there's no difference. There are lots of beautiful differences amongst all of us and they can all work together. Um, it's all right. I'm not going to shout in your face. Yeah. No, no, I was correcting <laughs> myself because I, 
<laughs> I don't actually believe that there's no difference. I don't believe there's no difference between men and women or race or anything. I think there's lots of amazing differences. If we all had yeah. this, if we were all the oh, same, we would all face so the boring. same problem and the human race or humans wouldn't evolve because we'd all yeah. get stuck on the same problem. The point is we are different. So we can look at And I think that's problems. it. It's it's um predominantly it's just about listening to each other and not being defensive and closing yourself off and not willing to learn. I think is the biggest takeaway from what's currently going on. Mm. Or one of the biggest takeaways yeah. of what's going on. Austin, thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation with me. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of it. That's all right. I mean, um, one thing I will just say to any listeners is, Austin, thank you so much for my jingle. (laughs) (laughs) Austin, so Austin's a a professional music producer. And (laughs) when I was battling for days on trying to edit a jingle, I was like, Austin. (laughs) And you're like, fuck's sake, give it to me. (laughs) So thank you for making my jingle. (laughs) It's fine. I just couldn't be bothered to try and explain the process when I knew that I could just get it it done in literally 10 seconds. <laughs> just send yeah, me the I'm file. all about outsourcing. 2020 yeah. is about outsourcing. Just send me the thing, <laughs> I'll do it for you. Bye. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, Austin, thank you so much. Please no stay safe out there. Um, enjoy your whole day. I'm gonna go to bed now, pretty much. Um, <laughs> and yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. If there is anything in this episode that you would like to talk to me about, if you need to have a chat about your own views or opinions please email me at apocalypsepodcast at gmail.com um otherwise you can follow me on instagram at apocalypsepodcast and you can tune in next week to my episode about housemates thanks for listening everyone